Hey there, before we get started, I always forget to say this. Would you please go and take a moment and rate and review the podcast, wherever you listen to the podcast. It's super helpful, it helps people find the show, and it also gives me good feedback on how I can be making the show better, or how I can continue to be awesome. That was uncomfortable for me to say. Okay, thanks for doing that. All right, now we'll get started. Here we go. Welcome to Doing the Best We Can with Eddie Koffeltz. We We hope hope you enjoy the show. (laughs) Thank you very much, Eve and Lucy, and thank you for being here on Doing the Best We Can with Eddie Koffeltz. My name is Eddie. Okay, uh, I'm on my head. I was given some feedback recently about how I open this show, that this is the one part of the show that doesn't sound like me, because I usually say, uh, we're figuring out ways to traverse life together. Some of the ways will be, yeah, I do that whole thing. Uh, I've told, uh, so now I don't know what to say about the show. Here's what I know about this show. This show is part memoir coming for me, something I've been thinking about and something maybe that's, I guess, helpful for you to think about as well. Uh, Yeah. So that's what doing the best we can is. I hope you find it helpful for you and I'm glad that you're here. Uh, So here's the format of the show in case you're new, because I know we have some new folks with us. The format of the show is basically at first, I'm going to share my thoughts for this week. I'll do that in just a moment. The second part of the show is a free skate. Today, we have some guests on the show for the free skate. And then the third part of the show is just kind of the closing. If there are any announcements or anything important, they will be there as well. The show typically runs about 20 minutes today. I'm guessing we're going to hit the 40-minute mark because it is a long main article and long conversation with friends. But what the heck? We'll listen to it in two parts, okay? So I am glad that you are here. If you have not done so, please do subscribe to the newsletter. That is the main driver of this whole thing. It is easy. It is free. And uh, yeah, comes right to your inbox every Thursday morning. 5 a.m. Not that you should be up at that time, but you know, it's there when you get up. So go to eddiecoffolds.com and the links to that are in the show notes. All right. I think that's it. That's a good intro. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I'm all in my head. All right. Let's, uh, let's chat about the main thought for this week. Issue 18. The keynote party. By far my favorite part of leading a team is getting to interact with my colleagues, even virtually, which we still are. To that end, I try to get us in person every few months to break out of the Zoom rectangle monotony, to engage in some deep work that's better enhanced by a shared whiteboard, and really a time to just to get to know each other better and hopefully build some memories. Getting to know each other in a business environment is tricky. As a pastor, the lines between business and work were generally obliterated. An average welcome meeting with a summer intern would start uh, with, quote, tell us your life story, which would inevitably devolve into a boring section, a crying section, and finally the kissing up to the staff and hopes you get hired after your internship section. It was a lot. In those days, my management of a team had much more to do with their personal lives than the work they were doing. I am still conflicted about my tactics, as I was equally a pastor in theory, a manager, and a friend, usually. Those three roles didn't always sit comfortably together and often led to confusion about what person I was in a moment. I distinctly remember the look that was given to me when I had to lay someone off. You could tell that I was saying to them, right? Like what the words I was saying was, we have a generous severance and all of these things. 
but their look was clearly confused that their pastor was delivering this message to them. Which is why today I'm very careful to let people whom I manage bring whatever version of themselves they want to the job. It is, after all, just a job. And while we spend a lot of time together, I'm still just the guy who approves the day off, days off and conducts the annual reviews. Furthermore, I know for certain that separating work and uh, life is healthy. Keeping me and my list of demands in a box helps them to sign out at the end of the workday and not think about me again. The clearer I am about our boundaries, the better they can be for the life that's waiting for them after their shift at the mine ends. In my life, I've felt these boundaries pushed and crossed. About five years ago, I was sitting in a circle with some other colleagues. It was a different job. I wasn't the boss at the time. And the boss posed this question. He said, hey, let's get to know each other. What are you dealing with right now and how can we pray for you? Now, let's dissect that. One, there's a power differential happening in that moment. My boss, the one who signs my checks and to whom my livelihood is intimately connected, is asking me a really personal question. It's a question I suppose I could avoid and decline to answer, but then I'd feel insubordinate and unstable in my role. So of course I'm going to answer. Not because I want to, but because I feel I need to. Two, the other issue is, what are you dealing with? Is a hell of a question. And my hope is that we are going to keep things on the work tip, giving answers about, you know, failed processes and budget concerns and corporate wins. But because my boss went first and shared some deeply personal moments of his life, the expectation was clear. We needed to go there. And then third, quote, how can we be praying for you is code. It's always code. And it means I don't know how to reply to what you're about to share, but I promise a prayer response that you both can't see, you may not fully understand, and you may not even believe. It is the Christian NDA, setting up the expectation that we're in a committed small group, except we're not. We're colleagues who will have to show up Monday and send off corporate emails about something that wasn't finished on Friday. But hey, thoughts and prayers, right? In that circle, during that time, I shared something that I've never shared with anyone up until only a few weeks ago when I shared it with you. I did what I was asked and I talked about where I was right now in the most honest way I could. I shared about issues I was having with food, how I'd tried Overeaters Anonymous, and was in a season of real deconstruction and reconstruction. And as promised, the lovely people in the circle, summer intern included, were loving and caring, but they really didn't know what to say. So the promise of prayer was reiterated and we moved on. Except we kind of didn't move on because it was a retreat and the field games had been pushed to earlier in the day because of course they were. And so only three of us went, the boss, the intern, and me. So the three of us splayed ourselves to compassionate onlookers, and then when we went to play kickball in matching team bandanas, so fun, I rarely felt so emotionally naked and even mildly violated as I did thinking back to that time in the circle. Sure, I own a lot of the mistakes and could have just set my own boundaries and shared something deep uh, sounding, but not at all deep, but I was younger, I was more insecure, and I was trying to climb a ladder. I suspect things in the, I suspect others in the circle were doing that as well. Which brings us back to these quarterly team times that I'm now trying to lead and microwave relationships without pushing those boundaries. But how does one do that without going the pastor hacky route of forcing people to spill the depths of their soul in order to make the boss happy? Here's what I've come up with. First, food. If you've spent even 20 seconds on Shauna Nyquist's Instagram or in her books, you know the immensely powerful role of the table. 
So for our team time, I took them out to Ethiopian lunch at our favorite local place. And what's perfect about getting Ethiopian food, much like a good charcuterie board, is that you're eating communally. Our food comes to the center of the table. We taste and explore together. We comment on spice and flavor, and we create a memory simply by absorbing sustenance. There was no questions during that time, and I didn't bring an icebreaker. I simply trusted that the food would unify, and it did. And the second idea that I brought to the team was one that Brienne reminded me of uh, that we'd originally heard from Emily and Amy. You remember them from a previous conversation. This simple idea is by far one of the most effective and dignifying bonding exercises I've been a part of. It's called a PowerPoint party, but because I'm a snob, I prefer keynote party. Here are the rules that I sent to my team. Rule number one, we will each give a five minute keynote presentation on anything in the world we're interested in. Literally anything. There are only two rules. You can't have any, it can't have anything to do with work and you can't work hard on making the keynote look pretty. If it's too pretty or too work braggy, you're disqualified. Number two, in previous keynote parties, there have been presentations on the rise and fall of Forever 21, what's cool for 20 to 23 year olds. If I joined a cult, it would be this one. So to reiterate, you can present anything. And the third thing I told the team was, if you spend more than 10 minutes on this, you're working way too hard. It's so simple and silly, right? Yeah, and that's the point. We ended up having presentations on my favorite hot sauces and the person that, I love this, the person that included it uh, put in pictures from his pantry. It was very sweet of the hot sauces. We had a presentation on what I learned playing basketball, the history of seltzer water, what game show I'd do great on and which one I'd be terrible at. All the presentations were amazing. They were funny, even if they weren't trying to be. They were interesting and they let each person bring what they wanted to the table. The one on basketball was moving and told us a lot about who the person was who presented it. The one on game shows allowed us into the life of a colleague who clearly loves watching TV and each gave a presentation and in each presentation, excuse me, gave us inroads for deeper connection without sacrificing anonymity or trust. I don't know much more about the team's personal lives and they know very little about mine unless of course I guess they read this newsletter, but we know each other so much better now. The currency of connection isn't always about just spilling every secret to your accountability colleagues. Sometimes it's just about eating and laughing and trusting that the rest of life will bubble to the surface in its own time. P.S. If you want to know what I presented on, I'm giving the presentation over on the podcast. Here's a hint. Hey now. (laughs) Okay. Welcome to the free skate portion of the podcast where we get an opportunity to kind of do whatever we want. And this free skate is one for the books. Uh, We are for the very first time joined by not one or two, but three guests. We have Debbie and Elise and Emily joining us all from different parts of the country. The technical miracle that's happening right now that we're all here and seeing each other and it is, you know, 10 a.m. East Coast time, 7 o'clock Elise time is just pretty amazing. And they have decided and not decided (laughs) they have been willing participants to come and join us to share their five minutes that we just talked about uh, a little bit in the in the main idea. And so uh, how's everybody doing? I'm just going to ask it one time. Delightful. Delightful. Okay. Emily, how are you doing this morning? Couldn't be better. Couldn't be better. Okay. You may know Emily from the previous article titled uh, Amy and Emily, or maybe it was Emily and Amy. Um, Emily, how's the fame 
changed your life since you appeared on a, a very, very small newsletter and podcast? It's had a drastic impact on my day to day. Thank you for asking. Yeah, it's kind of weird being around you now. You're not the same. <laughs> I'm different now. You are different. Um, and Elise, you are in California. Yes. That seemed like a question, but it wasn't. Uh, So the question is, how's California doing? Sorry. I was like, let me just say a sentence and then you talk. No, how's California today? California is great today. It was a nice drive in. Um, I'm in North San Diego County. And so we, our rain has let up, which is really nice. I know you've probably seen in the news, there's a lot of California underwater at the moment. Um, That's why Kevin Costner couldn't go to the Golden Globes. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty intense all over the place, but we're my little pocket. We are we're doing great. How often do you like see the water and get to live the San Diego life? Not as often as I should. I'd probably take it for granted because I grew up here. Oh, um, yeah. No, I get that. But I but on on Sunday, I was down at the beach and it was lovely. It was rainy, but I was walking around and it was fun to watch the waves and yeah, but but also there's no should in that. I grew up in a people's honeymoon spot like Clearwater and St. Pete Beach, Florida, and I went to the beach like once a year. Like I basically just went. It's I totally get it. You live in that place, but it's hard to yeah. like always. But I love where you live. Um, are you a Padres fan? Sorry, I'll stop interviewing you in a second. But do you? I need um, to know your I'm feelings actually about not really a. I'm not a big baseball fan. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. But of baseball. course, if I have to, if I have to root for a team, it's going to be the Padres. Sure. 100%. Or if I could bring you over to the Washington Nationals. They're a fairly unpopular uh-huh. team. We would love to have you. We'll give you a shirt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know <laughs> totally. what? Okay. I mean, maybe. All right. Yeah. That's a soft commitment that we'll take. Mm-hmm. Um, Debbie, you are in North Carolina, yes? I am. And for the record, I am a Yankee fan. Oh, so why? So let my accent fool you. I spent some time in New York City, so um, I oh. follow the Yankees. They're my team. What were you doing in New York? So I was working. Um, I had a client there and I'm in IT and it was supposed to be a two-year gig and it turned into 15 years that were amazing. Wow. <laughs> oh, you're in IT. So that's why you were able to get on Connect this morning. Everything <laughs> looks right. Like it's just perfect. Uh, but no, yeah. I'm in North Carolina now and okay. you talk about the beach and it's a great location. It's the RTP area. Mm-hmm. So you can go to the beach if you want to or you can go to the mountains. So it's just whatever you're feeling for the weekend and it's a great place to be um what's the barbecue situation where you live is like north carolina barbecue is huge is it like is there a specialty around where you are so there's you have to choose i've heard so i think it's a east carolina or west carolina one's vinegar base one's mustard base so i think i'm more the vinegar base Mm -hmm. Um, but definitely you have to choose you have to pick us up yeah where do you land I'm vinegar. I'm the yeah. more vinegar base. Yeah. It's a heck of a thing. I love that vinegar base. It yeah. feels like maybe not what you came on to talk about today, but gosh, do I love barbecue. And I'm a little bit hungry this morning and didn't have my little morning snacks. So, um, okay. So we're going to start on this. So here's how it works. So we talked about it. Of course, I just shared in the article my big, like, deep boy feelings about whatever and all of the how to get to know each other and team dynamics and stuff, but shared that Emily and Amy at some point over in our house uh, told us about this game, which was a PowerPoint party, which I changed to a keynote party because I'm snobby. Um, and so there's this keynote party. Now, none of us have keynote because this is a podcast, but the idea is that you can just show up <laughs> and just talk about anything for five minutes and you can be a mild 
to not at all an expert. In fact, I would say knowing what all of you are going to be talking about today and what you all actually do in your real life, I would say that none of us actually are experts in what we're talking about. But it is something that can at least engage our passion enough for five minutes. Uh, And I share that when I was talking with our team, uh, with the team that I work with, it was all over the map. It was uh, one guy shared his favorite hot sauces and uh, took little pictures of each of his hot sauces, which was just so dear because each one was like, half empty it was just in his little cupboard it was just so cute so he shares like hot sauces and people just share different things and so I put something out on Instagram and uh because as Emily knows I am very good on social now really really busting into that Instagram (laughs) scene uh and said and asked people to share their five minutes and you all just had five minute ones and I was like okay we've got to get on here and do this because I either know nothing about it or have to know more or I'm just uh, something was just very intriguing Note to everyone else who sent one in, it was very intriguing. But Emily, you have been sweet enough to go first. Emily, what are you going to share about for your five minutes? Um, there's a saying called hills to die on. Mm-hmm. And I decided that it was too dramatic for most of my opinions. Because um, I am very opinionated about things that really don't matter. <laughs> so I renamed them to inclines to trip on. <laughs> so that is just... It's just essentially me five minutes of sharing hot takes or opinions that I stand by for like no reason. Oh, Uh, mm -hmm. it's the no reason part that's my favorite. Yeah. You're just like, there's not going to be any proof to this or any real. You're just inclines to trip on. Yeah, you'll Uh, you'll find that there's there's no rhyme or reason to them. Okay, let's hear Emily. Great. I'll start off easy. Um. Potty talk should be reserved to only talk about for those who can't spell the words or are going through potty training. Oh, uh, <laughs> so we're talking children. Yeah, children. <laughs> that's that's it. That's the only acceptable age group to use such words. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, can, I can get behind. Hold on. I shouldn't ask questions for each one. But are we talking you about like, questions. Like, an, like adults that make like poop jokes and stuff? Yeah, I hate them. Like, Absolutely yeah. irresponsible and not appropriate. For Again, that's it. <laughs> Hard stances. Hard stances. Um, yellow M&Ms taste and look better than any of the other M&Ms. No proof. Uh, nothing to that, but indisputable. Indisputable. <laughs> um, I don't know. Sometimes people sort them by color, and then they eat the ones for last. So I've run into a lot of people who have done that. So I think the yellow ones should always be eaten last. I love that. I, <laughs> I, in a million years, I bet if I gave you five M&Ms, you would not be able to taste the difference. Do you think you could? Feels like a challenge. Done. See you Sunday. Yeah, great. Can't wait. (laughs) Okay. This will be definite failure. Um, Another one I have is that nobody actually wants to be called cute. There are so many better words in the English language to describe people. The only only things that should be called cute are tiny children, again, and very fluffy, tiny animals. How do we feel about this around the table? Because I've heard this one before, and this has caused some. This has risen some ire. I think that's the right phrase. Like, how do you think? Do you think? How do you feel about being called cute? I think a, a good response was dogs are cute. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Little puppies. You know, it's oh, you're so cute. It's like dogs are cute. Think of another word. I, I accidentally think I. I think I set this whole segment up with calling something that my coworker did cute. So I'm pretty sure that I already broke a rule in in getting ready for your rules. No, I understand it. I would like if I was called cute, but not by anyone, by Brianne. But there's so many better words to describe you. Right. Like charming. Yeah. 
<laughs> that would that could be one. <laughs> That's one that some people could find. Yeah, okay. some might refer to you as that. Others, at least how's, how's the cute comments sit with you? I feel like uh, you've got thoughts in your head, and I'm just calling on you. Sorry, go. No, 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 I do. I think I think it depends on the context for me. I feel like sometimes when someone calls you cute, it almost makes it sound like you might not be very smart. Oh, and I like kind of equate that, it, but again, it depends on the context. Elise, um, coming in from the West Coast. Okay, I know, Elise, I, I hear you. Okay, I hear you with the cute thing. I understand. See, I think it's just something we all maybe internally feel, but no one says. It's what you're bringing to the world, yeah, Emily. Yeah, that's your you're that's your party trick. <laughs> um, this one, the next one is also semi-controversial. Um, I despise Oxford commas. With my whole heart. Okay, so list, so it's word, 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 and word. So no comma. None word, of it. Comma and word. Where are we at with this? I, I don't like the Oxford comma either and would prefer not to use it, though I have to at work. Uh, there's no choice. Uh, I think I have to. Elise, where are you at with it, Debbie? I am all for the Oxford comma, 100%. Wow. I use it. Debbie, Oxford I, or no Oxford? I do use it, I do. Yeah, woof. Emily. Not making any friends today. <laughs> no surprise. <laughs> okay. It's no surprise. That one is a, like 50-50 though, because it's maybe used to be AP style to not. Now I don't know anymore. But Yeah. The hard thing with the Oxford comma is it helps me know when I'm speaking, like when to breathe and when to like what's coming. So the Oxford, but I, I understand it conceptually, like from reading it, I don't love seeing it. I understand. No. And in school, we always had points deducted for when we used it because it was an AP style. Yeah. So maybe it's just that. Certainly worth tripping on. Just <laughs> yeah, certainly <laughs> worth falling <laughs> upwards and tripping on. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, my next one, I am also from Florida. Eddie and I actually grew up in the same area, but uh, Publix is superior to all other grocery stores, hands down. Yeah, there's no doubt. There's absolutely no doubt. I'm sure people, I'm sure at least you have feelings. I'm sure Debbie, you, I mean, you're in North Carolina, so you know a Publix. So going to North Carolina, I was first exposed to the Publix. And yes, yes. I have been um, indoctrinated to the Publix for sure. Yeah, you get it. Saturdays yeah. for chicken tender subs. That's yeah. just wow. what life is all about. It's also when we when we don't go to the beach. That's when I feel like it's perfect, too. When you come back from the beach, which none of us seem to go to, even <laughs> right. though we lived really close. <laughs> right, right. We didn't go there and did get a sub. Because sandwiches can still be a treat. Yeah. Right. I've right, never Emily. been in a Publix. Oh, I don't, Elise. I'm so sorry. I haven't. No, no. You got to get way east for that, though. But you've been to an In-N-Out. Like, you could go to In-N-Out today, right? Yes, I, I could it, if I wanted. I could. And you do want to because everybody wants to because it's a magical place. I understand. Maybe, maybe you don't maybe, want to. Maybe I will. Maybe, maybe I will today. Maybe you will. Just because you three can't. Maybe I will. <laughs> maybe you will. Yeah. They're coming to Tennessee, though. So it's heading east. Oh. They just opened a distribution. We don't need to get into this. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have. This isn't time for that. Okay. What so, else we got? Sorry, Emily. Emily, do you have any oh. more? Oh, I have so many more. Just keep um, going. I can go through them. Um, this is a personal. Again, these are all personal opinions, really. But um, heels are superior shoes to all others. Having only ever seen you in heels, I believe you believe that. Yes. yes. Continuing. Deeply. <laughs> Continuing. There's just nothing more to say about that. Yeah. Um, do not ask what to wear if it's not a significant event. Hmm. If you are just going to someone's house to hang out, wear whatever makes you happiest. It doesn't matter what anyone else is wearing. There are uh, well, occasions where you can ask what people are wearing, but usually no. Restaurant, no. I love that. Just show up and be an adult. Just, mm-hmm. So, like, 
Weddings, vacations, parties. Those you can ask for. Some parties, not all parties. Right. Like Sunday, mm-hmm. you had to wear pajamas to our house because it was chosen that the children wanted you all to wear pajamas. Yes. Some would say demanded. <laughs> yes. More of a statement, <laughs> but you still worked it out. But outside of we that, you've, yeah, you've, okay. Don't ask what to wear. I get that. I mm-hmm. appreciate that one. That's a good one. And then I just have some honorable mentions. Okay. Uh, Pepsi is garbage. Okay. Everybody can agree on that. <laughs> yep. And everybody should have a winter jacket they love. <laughs> This is such a specific Emily one because you have a great red jacket that absolutely is your trademark. Synonymous with myself. But here's the thing is I think people would like winter more if they had a jacket that they love to wear because they could just wear it all the time. Right. I've got an assortment of blue sweatshirts that I just kind of burned through and I don't have anything. I I need to go get into Filson and just go for it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We'll work on it. Okay. Okay. A Sunday initiative. All right, Emily, is that, do we have more? I feel like um, there's endless. Do you have any more to share? There are endless, but that was the end of my list. Emily, that was a five to 10 minutes. Definitely worth sharing with you. Thank you very much. Okay, Elise, Thank you so much. Debbie, who wants to go next? It's it's your choice. No pressure. I'll go next. All right, Debbie, let's hear it. Okay, so I want to share my happy hormone hack experiment that I did a couple of years ago. We're in. So I was in a rut. I felt the stress, like literally pain in my neck, headache just over my eye, like so random. So it's a signal to me that I needed to do something different, right? Mm -hmm. So I heard about these happy hormones and I was curious about them. So I looked up endorphins, it's one of them. And I came across this image. It was a four quadrant. It had these four hormones listed. And the claim was if you do these things, you will produce these hormones, these happy hormones. And I'm like, really? So I felt like it was a challenge. I'm like, okay, I'm going to prove this out, right? So at the time I was meeting with a wellness coach, um, Kathy, and she was fantastic. And so we, we would set up monthly goals and this became like my new thing. So for one month, I tracked how many activities I was doing to create these hormones. And I would journal kind of what how it made me feel. So I wanted to talk about each of these hormones and just some of the random things that I was doing on these days. So the first one is serotonin. Yes. And so this is the mood stabilizer. And I found that this one served me the best because it gave me more long-term joy than just like these quick happies. And so the randomness was this was sunshine. So at least like just you got to fight for your sunshine, right? You go outside, get 15 minutes of your sunshine. <laughs> you oh, got to yeah. fight for your sunshine. <laughs> you got to fight you, for it. You got to fight for it. <laughs> and water. Y'all talked about water before. So water of any kind, an ocean, a babbling brook, a pond. I just needed to be around water often. And that made me happy. And then also saying no to things so that I would have time to do all these things that made me happy. Like what gave me chills? What do I real? I love music. I love dancing. Yep. Do all these things. Just go do them. It's so simple, right? Right. So that was the serotonin one. Then the second one is endorphins. So we've heard about this one. When you work out, you get all these, you know, endorphins. So So that... Allegedly, yeah. Allegedly. (laughs) So I had to prove it, right? So I said, okay, I'll work out if you, you know, let's see if these endorphins kick in. And the idea was just to keep moving, right? To fight the urge to plop on the couch, to crash because that never really, you know, recharged me. 
and just to keep moving. And I also found that laughter, like find comedy shows and I would make sure I would do these things and spend my free time doing these things to get these endorphins moving. So the third one is oxytocin. So this is the love hormone, like the cuddle hormone. And so normal things like you would think mm -hmm. about, like getting a hug and things like yeah, that. Yeah. But it's also playing with a dog. It's also giving a compliment to someone. And so I made sure each day I reached out to someone to connect with in a meaningful way. And I just made sure I did these things. And then the last one in the four quadrant was dopamine. So this is like the reward hormone and your little quick happies. And I learned that they were very addictive in nature and you're always wanting more when you do these type of things. So I made sure that I, this supported my overall experiment. And so mainly this was me checking off things. Check, check, check. I did it today and I can do it again tomorrow. And also fun songs. That was always a quick happy that put on a fun song. It creates a memory that is happy to you. So definitely fun songs were, were key. So at the end of the month, it worked. Like I did my experiment, I printed it out and it gave me like this new lifestyle. And I think the key for me that it felt intentional. Huh. I think by default, I can get into this routine and like get so just routine. You have to have variety and shake things up. And, and it became a daily choice that um, I proved I could do it. I proved the benefits and just to have these joy bringers, I call it do more of these things and it really left you no time you know to do the things that drag you down um so my faith was a big part of this too and um there's a verse that says take every thought captive and make it obedient to christ and so i use verses um to remind me what was true and like these stresses that we're going to get they're temporary and um and that really that joy and suffering or joy and stresses can coexist and it doesn't have to be, you know, one or the other. And so I proved it out. And I felt like you can hack the happy hormones. So it was a good test. Definitely. Debbie, that was really interesting. I, I also, fun. just my ego wants to hop in and ask funny jokes during it. But I was like so <laughs> deeply into it. That, that, was, that was super helpful. It was also one of those things that I found that was like, yeah, of course. But you, I never put it into like, that's why just like going for a walk outside feels so good. Or why petting, you said dog, which is kind of a burn, but like petting a cat, it just yeah. makes you so happy. Like, <laughs> yeah. like it was just great. Debbie, thank you. No, you're welcome. And it's just, it became a challenge, right? And proving it out for myself that, um, that it would work. And it just, the now I have this random list of 50, 100 things and just make sure you do more of the things that you like. It's so simple. Um, and not default to, you know, the old things. Um, so, yeah, it was super fun. Super Debbie, fun. you're hitting real close to home. That was very <laughs> good. Thank you very much for sharing that five minutes. Sure. All right, Elise, you get the choice. Do you want me to go next or you want to go next? Meaning, I'll go do, next. Yes, let's go. If, let's if do it. Okay. Let's get it. All no, right. it's definitely okay, Elise. I want to hear from you. Okay. All right. Elise. All right. What you got? Okay. So today I am going to talk a little bit about great white sharks. Obviously. Um, because, yes. <laughs> because I really like sharks and yeah. I have liked sharks for a very long time. Um, I, I did tell Eddie earlier, I'm a little nervous because some of my research was done 
you know, a while ago. So I'm like, oh no, what if I say something that has been disproven in the last two years and I'm not up to speed? But you know, that's listen. Just- the degree to which I can, I think I can promise you won't be canceled by having <laughs> dated shark research on a podcast that basically the four of us are listening to. So, okay. like, it's really fine, Elise. But and that also will... isn't about sharks specifically. So, oh no, people are not coming here for shark content. No, they're not. Note. Speak so... for yourself. <laughs> yeah, but, that's right. uh, but I'm gonna bring sharks to them, whether they yes. wanted them or not. So preface, you are um, not a shark expert, but you have shark passion. So we're ready for it. Correct. Okay. And I, so I live in uh, North San Diego County. Mm-hmm. Um, and I grew up uh, in a little town called Carlsbad. You may know that Legoland is here. That's what people know oh. Carlsbad for. Or the, the Carlsbad flower fields are also famous. But anyway, oh, wow. um, it's on the coast. I have never seen a great white shark in person, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. I really would love to. Um, I always look for them That's when the I'm at the of beach. Most people. It, it is. Yeah. It really is. But I mean, how cool would that be? Yeah. We have them all along our coast here, um, and I've never seen one. So people see them regularly, and I yeah. have not. It means I need to get to the beach more. Um, so. Yeah, and don't watch Jaws because they really have a bad rap. But I'm glad that uh, you would like to see a great white shark. I think it would be neat in a certain context. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, do I want to like go swimming with one? No, I think that would be scary also. But Boundaries, yeah. if that's the only way to see it, yeah, maybe I would be happy after the fact that I did see it. So anyway, one of the things that is interesting to me that I learned is that sometimes these great white sharks will dive really, really deep for like a long time. And so usually um, they are, they like stay around like i don't know i think 600 feet deep from the surface of the ocean that's typically their like more normal range um but you know they have like tagged a lot of great white sharks and there's actually apps you can like watch them as they swim around i don't know if you know about that um but they have names and little profiles on them and you can see what their tracks have been which is is fun and cool um, but anyway, they have found that some of those tagged sharks will dive down to like, like 3000 feet and just stay down there. And they're like, what are they doing down there? And some people are like, maybe they're migrating. Maybe it's, you know, maybe they're eating squid, um, but they're not really sure. And they don't know why they stay down there for so long. So they that's don't know why they stay curious. down there for so long. No, no. I don't know I mean, if you have more, but I don't have anything else that I could possibly understand outside of they just go down there for a while and no one knows why. Yeah, because there's only so many sharks tagged, right? So it's like their their sample size is very small in terms of knowing like, okay, are all of the sharks doing this or only some of the sharks doing this? What are they doing down there? We're not really sure. So huh. yeah, it's a mystery. And I think there's a lot of other marine animals that are studied extensively and we know way more about than like what the great whites are doing down there but there is something (laughs) interesting there is this area called the white shark cafe and i don't know if you've heard of the white shark cafe no it's basically this open ocean area um in between baja california mexico and hawaii and the sharks will go there for like a couple months and they'll like all hang out, kind of in this like shark party. Bigger, well, yeah, in this they have a shark party in this area, and um, yeah, it's kind of really cool. 
Elise, I, you have brought to your five minutes more questions than answers, which I love <laughs> because whatever I had planned for work today will now be spent on ridiculous deep dives <laughs> into Shark Party or whatever, shark, White Shark Cafe and where they go and to see if there's any research. But that was a fast. I'm sorry. Are you? Do you have more? I'm interrupting. Um, not, not really. I, <laughs> I mean, I could talk about sharks for a long time because they're interesting. But yeah. I mean, they we do know they do migrate. You know, like there's um, um, the island of Guadalupe off of Baja, California, um, and that's probably one of the clearest areas to dive with sharks um, in yeah. the world. Like, obviously, there's a ton of like cage diving in South Africa, um, some in Hawaii. But for white shark like viewing, the viewing is best at the island of Guadalupe off Baja, California. But I read yes or I heard yesterday that they have closed the island to shark diving tourism. Huh. I, I don't know if it's forever or momentarily, but I wanted seems to like, go there. It seems like what's the downside? I mean, I feel like the sharks are it's oh, the only downside is for humans, but maybe it's just too much. But I think my favorite part of this whole five minutes thing is that you had finished your presentation. And then when it was just like, hey, let's unlock a little bit more. It was just like, yeah, I read a thing yesterday. And I'm like, that at least really cares about sharks. <laughs> like you're really keeping up your Google alert news alert for sharks is going off and you are really dialed in. Um, OK, I love that. At least. Thank you. That was crazy fascinating. Um, OK, I'm going to share really quickly. Uh, on the importance of the Larry Sanders show. That's what I uh, choose to share for for my five minutes. Uh, Larry Sanders show was, uh, it aired in 1992 and it went to 1998. Now, what's important to know about this, because a lot of our listeners would not know that that in 1992, there was something called the Late Night Wars happening. So Johnny Carson had been the late the host of uh, The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson for years and years and was a staple. There really was no other show of any importance that was rivaling it. And so to get this spot was a huge deal. Originally, the spot was going to go to Dave Letterman, who held the spot afterwards, which is now held by, well, it was held by Conan, and now it's held by Seth Meyers, but sort of that after The Tonight Show spot. But... What a lot of people don't know is that before Letterman got the tap and before Leno got the tap, a guy named Gary Shandling, who had guest hosted The Tonight Show for years and years, more than anybody else, was tapped to become a part of The Tonight Show. So Gary Shandling kind of starts to get quartered to be the replacement for and Gary Shandling was a stand up uh, comic. Uh, in uh, West Coast, I mean, he traveled around, but mostly you could see him at like uh, at um, at like Largo and places like that uh, in the Comedy Store. Uh, so Gary Shandling gets tapped to uh, host the Tonight Show, and he just couldn't do it. He just knew and inside of himself that he could not host the Tonight Show. And what he ends up doing was pitching a show to HBO about what is now known as the Larry Sanders Show. This idea of a fictional talk show host, and he would. Go. Uh, it centers around a fictional late night show and the behind the scenes staff that are a part of that show. And so his whole response to this late night wars, which ended up being like Jay Leno ended up getting the tonight show and Dave Letterman was upset and he goes and starts his show over at CBS. But this whole thing started with Gary Shandling and Gary just going like, no, I'm going to start a whole new thing. So he starts this Larry Sanders show. And now when we go back and watch the Larry Sanders show, by the way, there's a lot that's cancelable in the Larry Sanders show. So I want to couch it under the fact that it aired in the 90s when none of this should have been accepted. A lot more of it was arable. Um, but it airs in the 90s and it's now it aired on HBO and HBO Max 
Um, and it did a couple of groundbreaking things that absolutely changed television. Because right now we look at it and go like, oh, I understand the format of this. But it absolutely didn't exist. Here are the groundbreaking things that it, that it established. And yes, I'm reading from notes. First, it was the first show to mix real life uh, and fiction. So real celebrity was, would come on and they would play themselves. So Larry Sanders, this character of the night, uh, Tonight Show host, would end up, or the Larry Sanders Show host, would interview real people like Dana Carvey and Sharon Stone. And so they would come on and they would talk about the projects that they were currently working on. This idea of mixing fact and fiction hadn't existed yet in TV, but went on to influence shows like Curb Your Enthusiasm, most famously, where there's this kind of odd mix of Who's a celebrity in this? Who knows Larry? Larry isn't playing Larry, but he still develops Seinfeld. It's this odd, like, graying area. Larry Sanders show invented that. It was the first comedy that really introduced the anti-hero. So Larry Sanders is not a great guy. It's not like you're going back and watching MASH and you're rooting for these folks. But it introduced this guy, this idea of, like, we're all rooting for Larry. We're rooting for Hank. But these people are generally terrible people. But we end up rooting for them because of the immense writing. This goes on to be most famously exemplified in uh, with Michael Scott and The Office, right? Michael is, he could never exist today. He, they probably couldn't air The Office today, but we root for him the whole time because there's just such humanity. It was one of the first comedies to ever cross into dramedy, which influenced later shows like Atlanta and Baskets. It was the first show to break that fourth wall. So now we're used to every character. I'm really, in, I'm really nerding into this, aren't I? Get after it. <laughs> I just heard myself. I'm just like, let's do this. <laughs> to, it was one of the first shows to break the fourth wall. So now we're used to the characters cutting into, you know, like Jim and Pam looking straight into the camera or in Parks and Rec. That just did not exist on television. And television was always this thing that you viewed that never viewed you. Larry Sanders turned the camera and for the first time started to break the fourth wall. And it was the first show that took you backstage. Later shows like 30 Rock would famously take you backstage. But no one had this idea that you would ever go from the front of this Larry Sanders show, Tonight Show set, to see what was happening back there. And it was the first show that introduced the long walk and talk which you saw famously on ER and the West Wing. So these long, long shots where two characters would evolve and walk through a scene and other characters would come in and it would all be one shot. So those are the groundbreaking accomplishments that didn't exist before the Larry Sanders show, not to mention it launched the, the careers of some of today's uh, most important comics uh, uh, and people that have influenced countless other uh, uh, comedies like Judd Apatow, uh, like everybody that directed the first seasons of The Office, they started on the Larry Sanders show, and they all created that that Office look based on what they had learned on Larry Sanders. Uh, people like Janine Groflo, Bob Odenkirk, who went on to be on Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, uh, as well as Mr. Show, um, and many others. So that is the importance of the Larry Sanders show. And before it's time, it was sort of like how we go back now and look at the Beatles, and we go, okay, before the Beatles... You have to understand that none of this existed. What they did did not exist. Now we look at the Beatles and go like, oh, I can see, I, I understand the Beatles, but there was no framework for the Beatles. At the time, there was no framework for the Larry Sanders show, and that's why I think it was the most important comedy ever made. The end, mic drop. Awesome, that's <laughs> what awesome. Do, what do we think of that? I can't hear you, can you hear me? Oh, that's fantastic, I can't hear anyone now. But I see people. Oh, no, everyone is totally mute, which is so sad. But uh, so I'm going to unfortunately wrap this up because we've had a massive technical failure. What's funny is that I can't tell if people have heard me. So this is just like when I'm like on a phone call and the phone call disconnects and I keep talking for another six minutes and my ego just lets me talk right through it. So 
Elise, Debbie, and Emily, everybody has gone mute. I can't hear you. But I am so glad that you joined us on the show today. I am sure that you are all saying uh, what a huge mistake this was in your life and how you can't believe you just spent 32 minutes doing this. Uh, But thank you for being here on doing the best we can and for sharing your five minutes. Bye, everyone. Okay, well, it's official. This is our longest show. So uh, we are going to close things out uh, by just saying thank you so much for being here. The newsletter, of course, eddiecoffolds.com. Thank you so much to Debbie and Elise and Emily for sharing and being so generous with your time and teaching us a little something. Who knew all that about sharks? I didn't know any of it. Okay, we got to wrap up. As always, thank you to Uncle Jimmy for editing the newsletter. He is very kind. You can contact him to help you with your work. Send me feedback, all of that good stuff. Record, share your project with me. EddieKoffeltz.com. It's all right there. I'm not going to keep saying it. Just go to the show notes. It's all there. I'm already hard at work on next week's, and I look forward to chatting with you very soon on the next Doing the Best We Can. I hope you have a great week.